0: In those days, the decree went out from the Emperor Augustus that all the world should be registered. This was the first registration, and it was taken while Quirinius was governor of Syria. And all went to their own towns to be registered, and Joseph also went from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea, to the city of David called Bethlehem, for he was descended from the house and the lineage of David. He went there to be registered with Mary, to whom he was engaged and who was expecting a child. And while they were there, the time came for Mary to deliver her child, and she gave birth to her firstborn son, and she wrapped him in swaddling clothes and laid him in a manger because there was no place for them in the inn. Meanwhile, in that region, there were shepherds living in the fields, keeping watch over their flocks by night, and suddenly an angel of the Lord stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, do not be afraid, for see, I am bringing you good news of a great joy that is for all the people. To you is born this day in the city of David, a Savior, the Messiah, the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a child wrapped in swaddling clothes and lying in a manger. And then suddenly with that angel, there was a multitude of heavenly hosts glorifying and praising God and singing glory to God in the highest heavens and on earth peace among those whom his favor rests. And when the angels had left them and gone back into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let us go now and see this thing that the Lord has made known to us. And so they went with haste, and they found Mary and Joseph and that little child lying in a manger. And when they saw this, they made known everything told them concerning this child. And all who heard of it were amazed at what the shepherds told them. But Mary treasured all of these things, pondered them in her heart. And so the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen, for it had been just as it was told to them. Let us pray. Give us the ability of Mary to ponder and to treasure tonight, O God. And on this Christmas Eve, will you also give us the ability of the shepherds to run with haste, to see for ourselves, and to know of your goodness, and to see it born. And we pray all of these things with great anticipation in the strong name of Jesus and all of God's people said, you know, when you're a parent, how you choose to dress a child says a lot about yourself as well, kind of reflects back on you. It shows you a little bit of the state of mind when you're a parent and you are taking care of an infant and the way that you dress them. I mean, imagine this. There are some parents that as soon as an infant is born, they're already thinking about college. They might dress their child in an outfit that looks like this. It's okay to clap in a moment like that. There's some of you that want to. But depending on the parents, you may choose to dress your child this way, which is a little different. thought there might be a few of those here as well. How you dress an infant says a lot about you. What do you think was going on for this family when they decided to dress their child this way? Do you think they were CPAs or in the financial business? I'm pretty sure that this next one here was a pastor's family, because everything this child does ends up in a sermon illustration. I have no idea what these parents were thinking if they dressed a child in something like this. But they clearly don't have a very high view of their child already, they see him as a convict on the run. And you know that this next family here, I mean, they just want their kid to leave already. But my personal favorite is one where they think the dad needs a lot of work. You got this, daddy, with some pretty clear-cut instructions on the outside, how you choose to clothe an infant actually reflects back on you what you think about that child, what you believe about that child. We, we know that one of the most famous details of the Christmas story is that Jesus was wrapped in swatting clothes. It doesn't say it once, it says it multiple times, which is kind of a strange thing when you think about it. I mean, everybody knows that you're to wrap up a newborn infant. If you don't, uh, the infant is cold. If you don't, the baby doesn't sleep. If, if you don't, you're not going to get any rest. It's just kind of a natural thing to wrap up a child. It's what you would do. So why on earth does the Bible make a point over and over again of talking about swaddling clothes. Well, when I was in school, I was taught that the important part of the swaddling clothes is that Jesus didn't come in royal robes, but that he took on regular rags. And while I believe that that's true, I actually don't think that's the whole story. Jesus was born in a particular place. He was born to a particular community. In a particular moment of time, his birth was announced to a particular group of people. In fact, the shepherds seem to get a lot more airtime in Luke chapter 2 than even Mary does. I don't know if Mary's jealous or if she's keeping tabs of the number of verses, but the shepherds seem to be the focal point of the original Christmas story. Well, I don't know if you're aware of it, but the shepherds that were in Bethlehem were really important shepherds in the sense of that not only did they have responsibilities for the sheep in terms of the livestock of what was going on in first century Judaism, but being only a couple of miles away from Jerusalem, they also had the responsibility of helping to keep tabs on the sheep. And when a sheep was born out in the fields, the shepherds were the experts to know whether that sheep was going to go kind of into the general livestock category But if it was a sheep that was perfect, if the sheep was just right, they would say this is not an ordinary sheep and it's not going to the fields, it's headed to the temple for sacrifice. And do you know what a shepherd did when a sheep was born and a shepherd deemed it worthy to go to the temple? The shepherd would take swaddling clothes and wrap each of the legs of the sheep because none of the legs of the sheep were allowed to touch the ground because it was no ordinary sheep. It had a different destination. It was going to a different place. Do you start to see it? Jesus is wrapped in swaddling clothes. His announcement is made to shepherds who are experts in animals for the sacrifice. To you is born this day in the city of David a Savior. Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. There's a missionary in Southeast Asia. He's an expert in linguistics and in tra- you know, kind of translating the Bible into from its original language into the particular dialects and in the country of Laos, which is not very far away from Vietnam, there's this missionary linguist who's working there, and he's trying to translate the Bible to this, particular vi- to this particular village, and he's struggling. He's struggling to translate the word Savior, and being a good linguist and scholar, what he would do is he would ask a lot of questions. He's like, if you had a child that was about to fall over the edge of a cliff and you were able to pull them back and rescue them, what would you call that person? Well, that person is a paw, they would say, in their language. Well, what about if you had somebody who was caught by a tiger and you were able to save that person from a tiger? What would you call that person? They say, that person's a paw. And so he thought he had it, that this was the word, and yet when he kept kind of translating the New Testament and reading it to the people, he could tell that the light was going off, that they weren't quite getting it. Well, it was only a couple of days later... And because of some torrential rain, the river had flooded and some women from the village were trying to cross the river on a raft that wasn't equipped for those kinds of currents. The boat capsized and the missionary found himself in a position of having to dive into the water in order to be able to help to pull them to shore, to rescue them. The women were safely brought to the shore and to the safety of that. And while his clothes are still dripping with water, one of the villagers came over to him and said, that's not Pa, that's Che. Because apparently in that culture, there's a difference between saving someone at a distance and saving someone up close. Saving someone that doesn't require any risk and saving someone when your own life is on the line. To you is born this day in the city of David, a Savior, a Che, because it's a Savior that's in the river with us, God with us. I want to introduce you tonight to a young girl by the name of Wendy. In 2007, she was three years old. And when she was three years old, living up in Vermont, she uh, had a stomach ache. And so they went to the hospital in order to get it checked out. And it turned out that what was going on was no mere stomach ache. It was the signs of a rare E. coli infection. And she found herself spending a great deal of time in the hospital. At first, she experienced kidney failure. She had one surgery in order to remove part of her colon. She had another surgery to move another part of her colon. At one point, her heart failed. She had to be resuscitated again. She spent months upon months in the hospital. Halloween came and went. She had a costume. She couldn't put it on because of all the tubes. Thanksgiving came and went, she wasn't able to enjoy any of the food because of the special dietary restrictions that she was on. It was getting close to Christmas when Vermont that particular year had its first heavy snowfall. Is there anything sadder for a three-year-old child to see the snowfall outside and to not be able to go play in it? She hadn't left the hospital for months, and one of the lead nurses got an idea. If she can't play in the snow, then we'll just have to bring the snow to her. This was no easy task. Every milliliter of water had to be accounted for for this little girl. And yet, the hospital team came together, made sure it was safe, and was able to bring snow from the outside into the inside of that hospital room. Her mother, Wendy, put it this way. Her mother, Darcy, put it this way. Can you imagine a child who has only seen the inside of a hospital room for months, who only knew the sounds of the machines and the buzzers, the television, the whoosh of the forced air, only knew the sterility of the meal trays, the plastic covered hospital bed, the stethoscope hanging over the head, getting a bowl of snow? It was bliss. It was joy. She thought it was the best thing in the world. It reminded her of home. It reminded her of home. Here's the deal. You and I were never meant to live in a place like this. We were meant to live in a place like this. And that's no stock photo. That's windy today. She's fully healed, fully restored, new kidney and all. We live our lives in such a way where we can't get outside on our own and that someone is going to have to bring the outside to us. We can't get to heaven. We can't get to eternal living on our own. And so at Christmas, God brings a bit of heaven to us. And one of the things that American Christianity misses the most, we're not just saved from something. We are saved for something. We're saved for a life with God. We're saved for a life of joy. We're saved for a life of peace. We're saved for a life of patience. We're saved for a life of gentleness. To you is born this day in the city of David, a Savior. You know, it's interesting. The Gospels make much of the clothes of Jesus when he's born. And when you fast forward to the end of the Gospels, much is made of the fact that when Jesus dies, that he has no clothes, that he's stripped, that his clothes are taken from him, that they're even fought over. And just as you have to ask yourself, why make such a big deal about the clothes at the beginning of his life? Why does the New Testament put such an emphasis on that he dies without clothes? And the reason is very clear Jesus dies without clothes because in the cross he gives us his clothes. Over and over again in the New Testament, you are clothed in Christ. You are clothed in Christ's righteousness to fulfill the philosophy of the prophet Isaiah. I delight greatly in the Lord. My soul rejoices in my God, for he has clothed me with garments of salvation and arrayed me in a robe of his righteousness. It's like the story of the prodigal who comes back, not only penliness, but also without proper attire, And his father in his embrace says, quickly, get out a robe, the best one, and put it on him. Put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet. Get the fatted calf and kill it. Fire up the big green egg and let's celebrate. That's not really in the New Testament. That's the Georgia translation. (laughs) For this son of mine was lost and now is found. He was dead. And now he's alive. And so they began to celebrate. How you choose to dress an infant actually says a lot about you. How you view the clothes of Jesus says a lot about you. And we get to wear, because of his birth as a Savior, because of his death as a Savior, we get to wear the garments of Christ. And so I wonder if we would see a child that's born today more like this, I wonder if you see yourself this way. Wanted, chosen, loved, adopted. You were clothed with Christ because of his swaddling clothes. Let's pray. Thank you, good and gracious Father, for your firm, your sure promises of your great love that is available to us. Thank you, God, that you don't love us from a distance, that you join us in the river that you're not afraid of the currents. Thank you, God, that you are the one who rescues. I pray, God, for anybody here who feels confined, confined and limited by their health, confined and limited by time, by mistakes, by missed opportunities. Lord, open up the door of our healing, our restoration. Thank you for bringing heaven to us when we could not get there on our own. And Lord, clothe us in your righteousness. And we pray all of these things in the strong name of Jesus. And all of God's people said. In the beginning, when God created the heavens and the earth, the earth was formless and void, and darkness covered the end of the deep. And God said, Let there be light. And there was light. And God saw that the light was good. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the stronghold of my life, of whom shall I be afraid? The people walking in darkness have seen a great light. On those living in a land of deep darkness, on them a light has dawned. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God, and all things came into being through him, and without him not one thing has come into being. What has come into being through him was life, and that life was the light of all people. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness cannot extinguish it. Jesus said, I am the light of the world. Those who follow me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. And then Jesus also said, You are the light of the world, that a town built on a hill can never be hid. That no one, after lighting a lamp, hides it under a basket, but puts it under a stand so that it gives light to all in the house. In the same way, let your light now shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father in heaven. And then in the end, in the book of Revelation, it says this, and there will be no more night. They need no light of lamp or of sun, for the Lord their God will be their light, and they will reign forever and ever. Let us share the light of Christ on this, the holiest of nights.